Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something, and I hope you'll be inspired to write, because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Happy Monday, all you writers out there. It is February 6th as this episode of Pencils and Lipstick goes out, and it is February 4th as I record this. I am Kat Caldwell, your hostess for the podcast, and this is going to be an exciting episode. I talk to Elle from Edit Elle about how she got into editing books, what her thoughts are on editing, what kind of things you can expect from an editor, and how she is possibly different from other editors that you have worked with. I saw Elle because she she put on this workshop about setting in um, in the author accelerator where I, I did my my book coaching certifications and it was excellent. She had a lot of really great things to say. They were different from things that I had heard before. And you know, I go to a lot of workshops. I like to see how people do, you know, set them up, what they have to say. Um, everyone has a different perspective and Elle definitely brought a different perspective. So I was excited to have her on here. I'm excited for you guys to hear um, what she has to say. So if you're looking for an editor, a new editor, or you've never worked with an editor, you're not going to want to miss this interview. She has a lot to discuss about that process. Speaking about editing, um, Bended Loyalty, which I, you know, once upon a time called Cornered, is now at my editor. I'm very excited that it's finally there, that I'm finally confident enough for it to get to his desk. Um, I'm going with a new editor this time. I wanted to get a male perspective. It is a male point of view for, for the book. And so there were just a couple things that I wanted that perspective. And I'm excited to have my editor look at it. I'm excited to work with him. He's also a fiction certified coach. And so, you know, I, I like that as well, that he will be able to bring that approach to Bended Loyalty. I think it is, you know, I'm sure there will be things that I will have to hone and make clearer. Um, you know, when you're close to a story, when you've been working on it for a while, however long it takes you, a lot of times you're just, you see too much of it and it might not be on the page, or maybe too much of it's on the page. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I have deleted two characters from it, and so we have to make sure, you know, even as, even though I went back and made sure, um, there still might be little stragglers here and there, which I understand when I read it, because I know all the backstory, right, that I've deleted, but a reader won't know all the things in my head, and so it's great to have that perspective from an editor, um, get those questions done. I know some indie authors out there don't use editors. They use beta readers, and that is definitely a decision that you can make. I just have to say that editors have formal training, and there are certain things that they're looking for that a reader isn't necessarily looking for, right? So definitely make that decision 
um, wisely um, and purposefully, right? We always want to make those decisions purposefully. I know that it is an investment to get an editor, but um, you can learn a lot from the partnership that you will form with that editor. Remember when you're with an editor, they really want your book to be what everything that it can be, right? A good editor wants to bring you to seeing certain things that maybe you didn't see before, to teach you the way that they're seeing it as a reader, maybe to teach you things about craft that you didn't necessarily know. It's really a partnership. Um, it shouldn't be anything scary. Your editor should be willing to work with you and show you things and be patient with you. You can learn a ton. Um, I told you guys last week that I always join this NYC midnight competition because I get three editors or three judges information back on my short story. Like that is invaluable to me. It is how you learn. You see what professionals see. Um, that is how you make it up in on certain lists, how you get published in magazines, how you might even win an award or a scholarship. Or I know in certain countries you can get um, arts, you know, payments from the government's grants, I guess they're called. So the way that you do that is that you hone your craft over and over again. And it's just, it's, it's a really amazing um, process to go through. It can be a little nerve wracking, but I just want to encourage you all, don't, don't let the price um, keep you from learning. You know, work something out with your editor. Maybe you can do payments. Maybe you can um, do an exchange, you know of goods or services, just get out there and see what you, what you can find. And, you know, if you, if it is an expense that you can't really afford, um, I am going to do a Kickstarter and I would encourage you guys, we'll talk about this more as, as we get closer to look into that because it is a way to make sure that your book launch really helps you earn back the money invested into your book. You know, you have to do it correctly. You have to take some time setting it up and make sure that to make sure that it is um, fulfilled, you know, and that you get the money that you want to earn from it. But, you know, there are different ways to make sure that you're going to make that money back. So um, there are lots of editors out there that are fairly priced as well. But, you know, the more that you learn about the craft, um, the less you really need an editor, the more you write books, right? Especially if you write in the same genre, especially if you write series, um, you can a lot of times learn what is coming down the pipe. You'll get better and better and better, and you might get to the point where you don't need one. I know lots of authors don't, don't use them anymore. So just always make sure that you are making these decisions with everything in mind and you're making them purposefully. Because I am done with Bended Loyalty, woohoo, I'm very excited about that. I am plotting out Bended Love, which will be the sequel. It will come as a duology pack. Uh, I am using plotter for that. I'm very excited to delve deeper and deeper into this plotter um, universe, I guess. I'm I'm excited to have it on a, a, a sort of digital screen, I guess. All the things that I think of as I take a walk, you know, I want this scene in there, I want that scene in there, and I'm putting it in into plotter. Um, maybe that's different than how other people use plotter, but <laughs> that's how I'm using it. I'm excited to have these different scenes. I can have the different storylines, can move things around. Um, I'm very 
I'm very curious about this process. This will be the first book that I, I plot kind of from scratch, although there are things already written for Bended Love, but already as I see it in Plotter, I'm realizing, okay, maybe I don't actually want to start where it starts right now. Maybe I want to move it. Um, so it's great to be able to see that digitally and to be able to move things around because otherwise I'm on my um, journals, you know, and moving things and basically scratching stuff out. It gets a bit messy. messy. So I am excited to use Plotter in that way. And I'm also um, going back to Crossing Themora and plotting out those points. And I've already seen a, a scene that doesn't really need to be there, it needs to be sort of more condensed and move forward quicker, you know, so I'm loving this software. Now, I'm also spending a bit of time this quarter working out some workshops for you all. I'm very excited about bringing workshops. I, if you can't tell, I really like craft. I really like storytelling. And I want all of you writers to know the things that I didn't know in the beginning. I didn't have them concretely defined in my head. And I really think that's why my first book took so long to write. Besides the fact that I had three kids at home when they were under the age of five with a newborn. Um, so yes, life can get in the way. But at the same time, if you have these tools and you understand these things about craft, um, it's easier to to figure them out as you're writing it. And it will also save you money on the editing process because you won't need your editor to tell you that you need a character arc, right? So um, I did a poll recently on my newsletter. And if you're not on my newsletter, you definitely should be. The links are always in the show notes. Um, but I did a poll and people had specific things that they wanted to have workshopped. So when I say workshop, I don't mean a webinar where somebody's talking to you or I'm talking to you the whole time. It will be working through things. So the first one up is going to be the author platform. I had quite a few people saying, you know, what is an author platform? I need a workshop on author platform. What does it mean? To me, the author platform is really about your newsletter, um, your social media um, counts as well. You, your website counts as well. But if you're going to be an indie author, you need an author newsletter. You do not have a platform that is <laughs> going to stand the test of time if you don't have an author newsletter. And you should start your author newsletter even before you publish your first book. You absolutely should. And I am going to tell you why, and I'm going to give you the tools to do it, to figure out what service you service provider you want to use for your author newsletter, um, all in this workshop. This will be, there will be time to ask questions. Um, and this is all going to be on next week. Um, I'm, it's going to be free. This one will be free. Um, and I, We'll be giving that on February 13th. So that is next Monday. If you are listening to this in real time, um, the week that this goes out, you have time to sign up. The links will be in the show notes. And if you um, sign up and you can't make that time or life happens or whatever, if you sign up, you will get access to the recording. Only if you sign up. 
Um, it is too much to be putting recordings out there all the time. So if you sign up, you will get access to the recording. I know that some people are in different time zones. So 1 p.m. Eastern New York time might not work for you, but if you sign up, you will get an email with access to the recording. And we're really going to go over why you need an author newsletter, what it means for you, what a lead magnet is, where to set up your author newsletter, what to talk about in your author newsletter. Um, you will also be given ideas of how, how to set those up, how often you should do it. Um, you'll have time for questions. Um, I think it's going to be great. I've given this before. This is going to be a little bit um, more in-depth this time, so I'm going to add a little bit more about um, the author platform and how you can get out there and get people on your um, newsletter. And then we're even going to go into what are newsletter swaps as an author and where you do those, which are mostly on book funnel and story origin. I have to say, if you, you know, I talk about Authors XP, we had Amy on um, just, just last week. Um, you cannot sign up for Authors XP, you know, newsletter builders if you don't have a newsletter. Um, it is a daunting thing, especially if you are just starting out, but um, it is necessary, especially as an indie author. And I would say even as a traditionally published author, you are going to want to have a place for your readers to go to to learn more about you and to have more contact with you. I actually went to look for an author the other day um, and I could not find his author newsletter. I couldn't find anything where I could sign up um, to hear any more from him. And I would assume that he's in the depths of writing a book because his social media was a bit stagnant. But I was just like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that he doesn't have a newsletter in which I could sort of find out when his next book is coming, get an update from him, you know, all these things. So I was a bit disappointed about that. Um, people want to know about you. They want to know about you as the writer. They want to know about um, the books coming out. And we're going to go all through that. I know it can be daunting, especially if you're new and you're like, I don't have anything to say, but you do have something to say. And I will convince you of that in <laughs> the webinar or the workshop. So that one is going to be free. So please be sure to sign up for it if you don't have a newsletter or if you just want more information on how to do newsletter swaps um, and what to write in your newsletter. So even if you have it set up and you're just, it's like stagnant, come and get re-energized and, you know, find more creative ideas on how to use that author newsletter well. We're also going to have some, a character development workshop, and that one is not free. It's going to be paid, a scene development workshop. And then I'm working with Jeff Elkins to do a dialogue workshop as well. And all of those are going to come before April. So you are going to want to get on my newsletter to know all about those. You will also have links in the show notes if you want to be the first to sign up for these. And I just have to tell you, if you sign up for them, if you come to them, there will always be fun goodies for those of you who come to them. Whether it is a worksheet, whether it might be a discount, um, whether it might be the opportunity to get your scene edited um, or get feedback on it or your dialogue, there will always be something um, with the workshop. And they are only $47. They are going to be two hours. I think the value for value on that is going to be phenomenal for you. You get to come and check out different scenes, why scenes work, um, and see the 
how scenes are edited, um, characters, how to make your characters um, 3D and really deep and, you know, figure out what their needs and their wants and what the difference is and how, you know, how to weave in backstory to make for a really robust character. Like these are going to be really hands-on and you're going to leave with a lot of information and a lot of inspiration to go and continue writing your book. So I highly um, recommend that you come. They're going to be fun. So definitely check out those links below. One last thing before we get into the interview, I know you all want to hear more from Elle and editing and how editors work, but I want to invite you guys to check out Authors Accelerator if you've ever thought about becoming a book coach. You know, Elle was an editor before she became a book coach because she wanted to add just another dimension to the service that she provided her writers. So on Valentine's Day, Authors Accelerator is hosting a special event for certified coaches. Um, And for any writers or um, friends or colleagues interested in becoming book coaches. So I consider you guys my friends and colleagues. So if you are interested in coming to this, It is called Why We Love Book Coaching. It's going to be on Tuesday, February 14th. The time is going to be 9 a.m. Pacific, um, 12 p.m. Eastern New York time. Um, And I will have a link to the sign-up page in the show notes. I encourage you, if you're an editor and you want to add a new dimension, just come and check it out. You don't have to sign up for anything. Um, You can just see what it's about. If you're a writer and you're thinking about hiring a book coach, you might want to come and get even more information about what a book coach can do for you and how Author Accelerator chooses a book coach for you. So you get lots of information there. So that is everything that I have for you today. Now we are going to go into the interview. Edit L opened its metaphorical doors in May of 2018 with a trusty sidekick in a copy of the Chicago Manual of Style, a membership to Editors Canada, and a whole lot of gumption. Since then, Elle gave birth to her third child, became an Author Accelerator Certified Fiction Book Coach, and has worked with over 50 authors across the globe in places such as New Zealand, the UK, Australia, Africa, the USA, the Czech Republic, and Canada. Two things are certain when you hire Elle. She will immediately care for your book nearly as much as you do, and she will be relentless in helping the book in your head make it to the page. Each book and each author needs an individual approach, and Elle will give you and your work the personalized attention that it deserves. Elle works from home with three small children, an opinionated dog, an amazing chef, her husband, and an obscene amount of coffee. Welcome back, everyone, to Pencils and Lipstick. Today, I have with me Elle of Edit L. Hello, Elle. How are you doing? Oh, Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Kat? Good thing you don't have S's. I would have messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, all the alliteration does make it difficult. <laughs> so um, before we go into the interview, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from? Sure. Um, so I'm based in Alberta, Canada. 
Um, and uh, so I am an editor and a author accelerator certified coach of fiction. I, I always have trouble saying that too. You're, you're like, worried about my name. What do I do again? So I, yeah, I opened, uh, I opened my freelance editing business in May of 2018. And a couple of years ago, I certified as a book coach. Um, okay. Author. So what, what made you become an editor? Have you, all, have, are you a writer as well? Is this, are you an English major uh, from? <laughs> well, um, not an English major, um, but I, I actually did uh, a lot of um, languages and stuff mm. in university. Um, so I did um, French and Spanish too Ooh, um, cool. uh, in university side by side and English as well too. But, you know, I like never think of, never think of that. I did all, I did the three languages all side by side, but I didn't consider it. English like a language. Right. Um, that's just, <laughs> just what I speak. It. It's just a class I took so that I could read. Um, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I uh, I ended up, um, so I did a lot of language stuff and a million other things too. Um, it's on my website if you really want to see some of the list. But um, but so I ended up being like communication and culture. Mm. Um, and then all of the jobs that I've ever done, I've I've been like the editor and writer for, okay. uh, you know, their newsletter or their uh, and stuff like that. So if someone needs something edited or written, it was, it was always sent to me. Okay. Um, but I actually got into the fiction, uh, the fiction editing because I was asked to, um, I, I was, uh, on maternity leave with my second child and I, and I was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of that website, Voracious Readers. Uh-uh. Uh, anyway, so you, you get you get basically like arc copies or like free okay. books, um, and they just ask that you review them, um, so that they can get some more views on on there, and you get you get free books. So I was on maternity leave and um, nursing all the time and reading all the time, and I actually left someone a bad, really bad review, <laughs> and and um, all of their other reviews were five stars, but um, they had like repeated like full repeated chapters, oh. um, like 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 it, it was um not the cleanest book and I and I had a really hard time with it and after I left the review the author actually um, messaged me and and uh and I said like you just you really need to hire an editor um and they're like well can I just hire you and I said well, oh that's no nice way. of them I would have expected <laughs> yeah. them to like throw something at me through the internet <laughs> expecting them to be defensive and I said like oh no no I'm not I'm not an editor I just I just do that like I just do like that sort of thing in my other jobs but I'm not, I'm not like an editor you know and and so I turned them down because you know um but uh confidence but then, I, I was telling my husband about it and he's like well why not yeah like like why why don't you do that like like because I do write I've never like finished a book or anything like that, but I've always, I've always written it as long as I could remember. So it's like books and story and stuff is always something that I love. And mm-hmm. so he like, well, why not? And so then I looked into it and I took some um, courses on, um, uh, oh, now I'm going to forget the name, uh, Editors Canada. And okay. uh, I got a mentor and stuff like that. And then, um, and then I opened up. <laughs> That's really I, cool. Yeah. So yeah, so that's it's like a pretty long. So, but did you did you open that up while you were still working, or did you decide you were just going to focus on editing? 
Like, did you quit your other job? And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go full time. No, I didn't quit my other job, but I was on maternity leave. So in Canada, you, oh, can you did get, this all really uh, fast. <laughs> like, <you> were so- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I was like, well, I had like an, uh, a new baby at okay. the time. Um, so a perfect of- time to start a new project though. For sure. Yeah, so I was spending most of my time like nursing my baby. Um, and so I was, I could just like have it up and I was d- doing all of this on like just while nursing a baby. <laughs> like, um, give me your <laughs> manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when I first started out, I did a whole bunch of stuff for free just because like, right. n- um, we had talked about this before, like you can get it in theory, but you really, it, you really don't get it until you're actually doing the work. Right. right? right. Um, so, so I did a bunch of stuff for free at the beginning and um, started to build up my client base and, and then, and then, yeah, I just kind of took off cool. from there. So. so you, this isn't a COVID thing. You were already doing this before. Oh, COVID. Yeah, no, this was before COVID. This was um, in uh, end of, end of 2017 beginning of 2018 okay. and I opened I opened in May of 2018. Wow, that's very cool. So then you and I are both author accelerator um fiction coaches. I like to tell people all the time, go to author accelerator. <laughs> it's a really good program. Um, so what made you go and become a certified coach? Um so I don't I don't know if you've seen this in in editing but um a lot of editors are like if you like they will not accept manuscripts until they are like at a certain point. And then a lot of um, authors are getting really discouraged Mm -hmm. um, because they need, like they have stories and they have the passion for it and they really want to do it, but um, they, they just need more training. And these, these people can be people that do have like an MFA in, in creative writing. And it's still, it is still a struggle Um, because, because you can be an excellent writer and have terrible grammar, Um, you know, like you can have amazing stories and not, not get the difference between different homophones and that's fine. And so a lot of editors really say, say like, oh no, I won't work with someone like that. I won't work with it until it's like mostly clean. Um, And I found that with a lot of editors. And so I started, I started coaching because I don't feel that way. I feel like if you have a story and you, and you want it to come out, then you you should have the support to get it out there yeah. because no one just gets it. Yeah. And there's a lot of there are a lot of books like there's like um I think like the Stephen King's on writing or whatever says like like not everybody can write, but I really feel like it can be taught and yeah. it can be something that muscle that you work. Yeah. Um and so I was already coaching, but because there are so many editors that are like, no, we don't we don't teach. We don't, we don't do this. Like we, we do our job in the manuscript, we give it to you and you do your job. Um, and so I saw someone else on my Instagram feed, um, that had, had certified with author accelerator. And I saw that it was a book coaching thing. And, and a lot of the stuff that she was posting from what she was learning, um, really spoke to me. Like that's how I work. Um, and, and I wanted that community and I wanted to have those resources. Yay. So um, I I went and I, and I did that so that I could have, so that I could see like what other people are doing and, yeah. and compare it to what I was doing and, um, and just have that support. And I really, really liked the um, part where, um, where they teach you more about the queering and, yeah. and stuff like that, because, because when you're jumping in as a freelance 
as a freelance editor, you're you're really about the indie publishing a lot more right. um, until we, you contact publishers or publishers contact you. So, so it, uh, it was really, uh, it was just really what I would, I needed right. to feel more confident and um, feel like I was giving, and I just like to, I just to like more. to keep on building my skills. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm going to make my authors keep on like building their skills and trying new things and reading books. Like I'm constantly doing that yes. too. So um, I mean, I think it's unfair for editors to send things back to writers and be like, this isn't clean. And you're like, what does that mean? I just don't. That's what frustrated me a lot with just working with different editors or just trying to like having that gut feeling with my own writing and being like, hmm, OK, something's yeah. off here. But what is it? And knowing that there's really no place to go <laughs> to, you know, yeah. before I f- found out about c- book coaching, where it's like, I know an editor is just going to say no. Like, I think I've had one editor for one manuscript was like, this is too late in the story. And you think, okay, like as a new writer, why? And like, why are you so irritated? And what what's your like suggestion? <laughs> Yeah, like what what okay so how do I fix this right like <laughs> I mean it comes after this you know like it's linear you know I just didn't know what I didn't know and yeah they just wanted like be done like do the manuscript be yeah. done move on and I really liked reading the artful edit mm. where they showed how um oh no I can't remember the writer's name what was the writer's name the great Gatsby guy Fitzgerald right so he's, go, yeah. he goes back and forth with his editor and his editor is a coach. Like he is sending pages to his editor and his editor is giving feedback and then giving suggestions. And he didn't send one big manuscript. He sent chapters, you know, which I would like, I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> look at this. That's what's missing in our writing world these days. Yeah. And that's one of the, what's one of the things that I, when I was working with clients and they're sending me their full their, their full manuscript for a developmental edit. And, and then I'm sending all their feedback and then I'm like, you got to cut it (laughs) because I'm like, I'm like, I don't like, this is a great story and I don't want them to get be discouraged, but there's like 10 plot holes Mm -hmm. and, and, and like our characters don't quite make sense. Or like, there's like 800 characters and I don't actually know who the main main character is, but I, and then you like send like all of that information and I'm sending like a 20 page edit letter to them. And like, I know, like if, if I just sent that to someone, they would be totally overwhelmed. Right. Like if you can't ask questions after, like it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard, but then that that's more considered coaching. But I do that with all my edits anyways, because I'm never just going to be like, here you go. Have fun drowning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and don't contact me again. No, but I've had an editor who I, I wrote back. Um, oh man. If I think of all the money I've spent, <laughs> that's a different rabbit hole. And I asked her like, okay, are we, like, can I ask you, can we get together on a Zoom? This is, and she said, no, that's not included. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> guess I'm going to go find another editor. And then, like, I need a second opinion, but that's going to cost me a couple hundred more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. After you've already spent, like, depending on the editor, like, like it's already a couple thousand dollars, right? Yep. So it's like, okay, so... So you you just do the feedback, but I don't get anything after, like, I don't get any support. Like I, I've even had, like, I've had a couple of clients where they've come to me and 
they were really like starting out defensive and stuff like that. And you need to have that like conversation. You need mm. to have that little bit back and forth. Like, like, so, so why, why do you, why are you like defensive about this? Like what, what seems to be like really irritating you about this feedback? Like, because I don't like, even like if I'm giving feedback and they're like, you're just wrong. I don't just want to sit there and be wrong. I want to know why they feel that I'm wrong. Right. Um, because a lot of the times when I give a suggestion and the author is like, no, I be okay. Can you, can you explain why no to me? And they'll be like, oh, because like, this is part of this story or this is what's coming in book two and stuff like that. And I'll be like, oh, that's great. Let's scrap this suggestion and move, like, let, let's change it. Right. I don't want them to just like sit there and stew in their anger or, um, but I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of clients that they've come to me and like that. And then their main thing that they're so defensive about their stuff is because they came to me after an editor told them that they shouldn't write, <gasps> that they should quit writing. And it's, it's, it's not like, and it, apparently this is not a rare thing. Like there are editors out there telling people to quit writing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't understand how that's a good business practice or how that can possibly build your clientele, but. Um, no kidding. But, I mean, that's so I, snobby. Like what is, <laughs> like, what? I don't get it. Yeah. Like. They're like, no, you, you need to go take an English course before you can do this. And I, and I know a lot of, a lot of coaches don't teach and they don't do the grammar stuff. Um, and that's totally fine. I do. So like, if, if they're like, what course should I take? Like, do you have a book? I'm, with? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can definitely point you towards some books you can read, but if you've got a question, just come to me because right. a lot of times if you go and you just take a general English class or general writing class, um, it can be like the person that's teaching you can, they could be just writing for blogs or they can just be right. doing nonfiction and, um, or they are only mystery, write Your teachers and you are writing a romance. It's not going to be, right. it's not going to be the same thing. So why don't we just talk, chat about it? And why don't we find that solution? And, and like I said, I've done like so many different language classes that I, <laughs> yeah. that I, uh, that I like, I, I know how to break it down. So I just do that yeah. with my clients. I mean, instead. like grammar is like, the the tiniest part, right? Like putting a together a sentence because a there's lots of writers out there whose style is not grammatically correct, and Absolutely. people still like it. I was reading um, V. E. Schwab the other night, and I was like, "That's not that sentence is weird," <laughs> you know? but it's her style. And you once you, if you're into the story, if you like fantasy, you get into it, and it, it doesn't bother you as a reader, right? Because the biggest part of writing is the story, like the yes. characters and what's going to happen to them. And I can ignore a couple of commas. And I, quite frankly, I don't care if you have one before the and or not. <laughs> Some people do, but, like, but that's nothing compared copy to copy editing. So sometimes I can't back. <laughs> I have opinions. Uh, but you know, like, honestly, Grammar can be learned. So can storytelling. But a grammar class isn't going to help you if your story is lacking character or setting or structure or whatever. Yeah. And and your voice, like because every story has been done, like your voice is is going to come through in the way that you use the grammar. And if you're just going like by the book, it ends up being very dry and you don't have this voice. And a lot of what we latch onto is the voice too. Right. So um, if you're just doing like the standard, like textbook grammar, right? like it, it, you're not necessarily hooking your reader. It is good to know that um, it is good to know that if you put certain words um, like, 
separated, then it, it might attach to the wrong one. Yes. Um, like, yes. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what what is it the, the, the I saw an elephant in 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 my pajamas the other day and what what was the elephant doing wearing your pajamas like like, like those sorts of yes. things like it's good to know but you don't need to be able to like say what a polysyndenton is to 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 be a good writer like thank goodness because I don't know what that means <laughs> oh it's just like when when it's like um you keep using the coordinating conjunction over and over again oh, okay. Uh, to, to like make your point is like, like I am not an author or a writer or uh, a speech therapist, like, you know, like, like where you're like doing like, I'm not this or that, like when it just keeps going, it doesn't have to be, or it can be and, and, and like, like, like she grabbed her cell phone and her keys and her, and her elephant and her, like when you're just like really trying to um, uh, put the emphasis on the. Tell everyone that you have a Mary Poppins bag is what you're trying to tell them, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> shoved it inside. Yeah, for sure. There are, there are things that will make your editing process easier. Like, I, I mean, even with my coaching clients, it's, I show them how to use word because depending on their age, they might not know that they don't have to bar space into their paragraph. I, you know, this will mm-hmm. make their writing easier, their flow easier, my editing easier and whoever else they go on you know, yeah. formatting and the like book. Putting those headings so you don't have to scroll through 20 <laughs> chapters. You can just click to the next chapter. Yes. Um, yeah, those yeah, those things are and you don't you don't get that when you just send a manuscript and get it back and just and like clean it up. That's your own. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. There you go. This is what you paid me for, right? So um, now that we've convinced everyone to get a book coach or to hire you <laughs> and get a, an editor and book coach in one. Um <laughs> so we the reason that I saw you or met you, I guess, over the internet, was that you did a webinar, which was excellent on setting. And I made the time to show up. It was like in the middle of the day and my alarms went off and I got in there. And I was really, really pleased with your webinar. It was like, it was really fascinating to listen to you talk about setting. Because setting, let me see. (laughs) Setting is one of those things that I think some commercial writers, so anyone who's doing genres like mystery, cozy mystery, thrillers, you know, things like that, they don't always give a lot of thought to their setting. Um, And sometimes, actually, sometimes literary writers don't either. There seems to be like a disconnect, like, okay, now I need to add setting details. Okay, there's a green lamp and there's a coffee mug over there. You know, so the, so as we're talking about these grammar classes that you can take, which could or might not help you. So do setting classes or suggestions, you know, you read a blog post, Oh, I should add like sensory details. Okay. The wood floor yeah. was cold. You know, things like that. And I was excited because your webinar wasn't like that at all, at all. And you talk, you say that you talk <laughs> about setting with your writer. So where do you start with setting? Um, how do you approach setting when you're, when you're dealing with your writers? So I'm, my clients are probably sick of me talking about setting because they, we talk about setting, um, when they're doing the blueprint, when they're, when they're outlining, when they're planning, um, they, we talk about it when in developmental editing, every time they send me a chapter for their copy editing, I probably, the only time I don't talk about setting is that proofreading where it's too late. So, <laughs> um, they, uh, so, but it's it's something that is missing in a lot of books, or if it is there, it is not used to the best of our ability, okay. right? Um, like you can probably think of it right now. Um, 
and especially for people that aren't fantasy readers, um, I don't know if you're big into fantasy, but I am like fantasy is one of my, my big things. Um, but, uh, you can like a lot of people say that they don't like fantasy because they sit and they just describe an entire world and political system and social climate and everything at the outset and they have this they have an amazing setting but it reads like it reads like a textbook right yeah i've read a few and of then those. it gets into the story yeah um and those are the, like like so a lot of people when they think of fantasy they think of like that that's a poorly written fantasy mm. um and that's also one of the re- reasons that a lot of people don't read prologues is because a lot of people use prologues you're just like i'm gonna give you all of the details right now and then i'm gonna just like go into dialogue for the rest of the book um and you should like remember that. what i told you yeah in the prologue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and um I think it uh, it's like C.S. Locken, and I'm going to paraphrase again here. I really should just have this written down somewhere. Um, but she says in one of her craft books, like um, giving your your readers details is like handing them a rock to hold each time. So like every time you have a detail, like the sky is blue, here's a rock. Um, there There is marble countertops, here's a rock. It has um, <laughs> like I am wearing green shoes today here's a rock you every time you give them a detail they've got to try to hold this and they and and they've got to try to remember this mm-hmm. because we all know that if it's if it's in there i said we um coaches like and and somewhere in the back of our minds as readers we know that the details are supposed to be important they're supposed to come in um that's like check off that says like um don't don't hang a gun on the wall in mm-hmm. Act One if you're not going to use it um, in in Act Three. Like the Chekhov's gun, today. Yes. like you have yeah. to be using the details that that you're giving the readers. So you're passing them all these details, and they're trying to hold on to. It, they're trying to remember it, and you're going to just start dropping things. Right, right. And you might be holding on to the color of the wall, and you've just missed and it the top matter. of the gun. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, and, I love that has, analogy. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I because. I think what a lot of people like the writing advice out there is like, don't info dump, which doesn't mean anything to most writers. Like, well, okay, I'm going to cut down my intro then by half. Like, but that's not what you're talking about either. No, no. It's, it's about um, when you have your setting, you want it to be an active setting, mm. right? You want um you don't just want to give the details and then give the stories. The details need to be part of the story. The setting and the character and the plot, that is all intertwined. They are not separate. And and sometimes like <sighs> writers can really get that the plot and the character, those those need to go together, whether or not you're like first the character or first the plot, that's that depends on like how your brain works and how the story came to you. Um, but they are intertwined. Like you can't have the plot without the character, and you right. can't have like and if and if you can just put any old character in that plot, you don't have a strong enough character. Right. But with with they forget that the setting is also part of that. So um the setting is almost needs to be used like a character. It needs to be active. It needs to be a part of it. Um, and if you have if you have a character in one certain setting, and they grow up in this certain setting, they're going to be like if you like. Um, I think we did like the the water world place where it just is like little huts on sticks. Right. If that's where you grew up, 
surrounded by water and just having little huts on sticks and you have to get from a boat to go see your neighbor. If you grow up there, you're going to have a very different character right. than if you have someone that's grown up on the side of a mountain Yeah, um, where you have to melt snow to get the water or you have, or um, you're always worried about ice and bundling up. Whereas on the water, you're always hot or, you know, you're going to have very different characters and you're going to have very different body language and different, um, different ways of dealing with people than, than, then, but sometimes what we're doing is we're just throwing the character and we're saying like, oh yeah, they're in a coffee shop, right? And the, yeah. the coffee shop, you know, what does that tell us about anything? Like if you grow right? up on a hut, you might not know what a coffee shop is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you might not yeah. know how to behave. No, but this is, this is really true. Like that goes into what, where your character came from, right? And then being able to then take them and put them in a setting and then realizing that they're going to act differently and everything's going to affect them. Like when I moved to DC, I was in an Uber with a guy from Texas. And since I lived in Texas before, he was like, yeah, I'm moving back. And I asked why. And he said, cause you can't see beyond the horizon. Like there's too many Hills and it really freaked him out. So like the same thing that you're saying, like you might, your character is going to react differently depending on the setting that they're in because of who they are <laughs> like yeah. it's all yeah, exactly. intertwined yeah and like if you um and I, I know you've heard this example before but like if if you have um uh, a character that's like suited up in hockey gear on the ice and they're having a little disagreement with someone they might give them a little shot that's not super weird in hockey like like right. um, maybe it's not like uh, technically allowed but giving them a little shove um especially when we go see it like, yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so like that's 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 just normal yeah right but but take that same little argument and that same little shove on a cliff right yeah that's not the same plot anymore. Yeah. That's not, that's not the same character. It's not the same consequences. Like you, you, you don't want it to be just this generic, like that little shove in the coffee shop maybe is like, maybe like not so cool. Like, why are you touching me? Why are you shoving me? Um, maybe you spill some coffee, but it's not really going to have the same impact. Um, and when you're looking at your plot or the your theme, like what you want to say, um, you want to think about what the setting is going to do to support that. Mm. Right. Like you don't want to, you don't just want to say like, like, oh yeah, I just want there to be like explosions and ducks and, um, and a boat and, <laughs> And then you'd be like, okay, so if this boat is on a mountainside, that's going to be very different than the boat in the ocean. And it's going to be very different than, than a boat in like, like, I don't know, in a forest, like where this right. boat is, it's going, to, it's going to make a difference. So, and so if you're going to have the boat explode, where's this boat exploding? How does that change things for anybody? It's, it, it makes it, it makes a huge difference. So um, you, when you're thinking up and you're trying to figure out, you try to make it a plot that matters. Yeah. I apologize. Do you mind cutting this section? I've got a toddler knocking. At the so what I find is, um, some of my writers will have, um, they'll have the boat because they think it's cool <laughs> and they'll have the car, you know, and they'll have, they'll have beautiful prose about their setting and it's, it's too much. Like, as you said, like <laughs> my reader brain starts going like, wait, I thought that I needed to understand that the bodyguards weren't there because clearly something's going to happen because the bodyguards aren't there anymore. So like, 
why did nothing happen? Like the reader brain goes into all those little details, right? So I, I either see like there's too much pr- beautiful prose maybe, but too much, or there's none. <laughs> and I actually have no idea where the characters are ever throughout the story. <laughs> so, um, floating you, heads. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what we call floating heads, right? They're just, <laughs> they're just talking. Like great dialogue, maybe do theater. Um, do you find those two extremes as well when you're working with writers? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very common. <laughs> so usually what happens there is is that they that's once again this point that they're separated, right? Mm. So if you are instead introducing those details as as the reader is or the character, sorry, as the character is meeting the details, um, and kind of knowing, even if you're a pantser, if you're going back and editing, knowing where it's supposed to go, mm. and if you're like going in and um and you're talking about the yellow wallpaper, um, and there's nothing to do with wallpaper or it has nothing like no significance whatsoever later then you can be like okay I don't really need the yellow wallpaper right right so you can edit it out afterwards sure. um, but a lot of those times are are coming through where it's like I know like I have like all these great details for this world and I just want people to see mm. it exactly how I see it but um that's when you have like too many details um but no matter what you do the readers are not going to see it the same way that you do yeah. And you need to give them enough details that it's going to make the world come alive and then they can fill in the blanks. Yeah. And then the details that you're using are things that the character is acting with. So if if you're if you're like bumping into like a vomit yellow chair, then and then you like bump the character bumps into it and like makes a joke about it and then passes on passes by it, um, then then that is now an active detail and we're expecting that that chair or the yellow or like like maybe they do vomit on it like and it <laughs> disappears and then that's an active right. like it's active detail but it has to be like um it it you want it to be like is, is it important that we know that we don't see the vomit um like is someone going to like not see the vomit and then they're going to like slip in it and crack their head open later. Right. Like, we're going to like wonder, like we're, as yeah. you said, I like the rock analogy. You're going to be like, wait, but nothing happened with it. I mean, the, the best, the best way to use those, as you said, the active details, like the, basically by the end, the chair represents, you know, her always holding on to some, you know, her ghost from the past and then she gets rid of it at the end or something like it has to have some sort of thematic, yeah meaning to to the story um i think part of our our issue as writers is we see so many films and there are lots of beautiful films like i think of amelie and how they have all these beautiful little details right and you almost want like you said your writers tell you you want everyone to see it like you see it and and it's also true i was told this with my very first book you do not have control over how the reader will see it. You have to let it go. And, it, it yeah. you know, you have to sit it on that as a writer, but it's true. Let yeah. It go. Yeah. And like, and I say this to my writers all the time, like some people, they'll, they'll like walk in and the room smells like marble, it's like cigarette smoke. My tongue is not working around that one today. But so it smells like cigarette smoke. And for some people, that's like this nostalgic, like, oh, it smells like my grandma and stuff like that. And 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 so like they might write that detail in there and and they're thinking like, oh, everyone's going to get nostalgic with this. But. And, and it's just like this detail and but 
if I, if I think of walking into a room that smells like smoke, I'm like asthma attack immediately disgusting. I hate this place. Right? Yes. <laughs> and, and we're going to see how, what it means to the character is where it's going to be important. What it means to the character means to the story means like how it ties in with your theme or point or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and I think it's like Donald Mass says, um, dry details are only dry um, if they don't mean anything to anybody. So if, if you add, if you are adding that detail and you're also adding like the like, oh, like that smells like my grandma, I lost my grandma 10 years ago or whatever. Um, and, and it's like, you know what grandma would hate for me to just be sitting here in this stupid interview. Like my grandma always told me to do what I wanted Mm -hmm. and then what I need will come after. And then that smoke has meaning, right? Right. It's not just a detail. It has meaning for the story. Um, and, and it's pushing the character to a decision, right? Yes. It's it's helping with the decision. It's helping change the plot. It's helping um, add characterization. Like, obviously, she's close to her grandma. Um, obviously, like, she's not someone that is following her heart's desire at this moment. Like, you shouldn't have only one story function mm. for each detail. So that's another thing. Like, when you're going through and you're editing or you're putting in this detail, if 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 you're having it just be like, I have the smoke because that's a sensory detail. I, yes, okay. Because everyone tells that's us that. I love sensory details. I love having the sensory details. I love grounding us in the setting. I love grounding us in the character's skin. That's great. What else is it doing? Yeah. Because if it has one story function, that's a waste of words. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I read a, I won't remember the title of it, but a beautiful short story. Um, and the the character walks in and she has chosen to not have kids. And so her life is very orderly. And she walks into a house of a mom and she, you know, she does a sort of a list of like the messy mantle and the bottle under <laughs> the, the couch that might've been there for a while. And she's putting all these, these details in, and in the end you fill up your, your head with them. And I went back and looked at it a few weeks ago and it's actually just a paragraph. But my whole brain like filled in everything and it worked as, as to give you the sense before you even meet the next character, who she is. She is yes. overly worked, <laughs> busy, couldn't care less about organized. I mean, maybe it bothers her, but she doesn't have the time. And yeah. this bothers the the main character because she doesn't understand how the, like, so you get the sense of discomfort and all that. So that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Like, She's not just telling you about the room for no reason. It is actually introducing the next character, working, working it as an as more than just words. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like because, like in that example, we're having the sensory details, and we're showing characterization for both characters: mm. the one that's reacting to the mess, the one that lives in the mess, right? Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Because like, and and that that brings it to like setting is different. Um, setting should not be responded to in the same way by different characters. Okay. Right. Like if a neat freak walks into my house, uh, I have three kids. <laughs> so uh, three young kids. Say, like, <laughs> Let's just say two year old. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The two year old. Yeah. The two year old that likes to like literally go through the house and just like dump boxes of toys or like, <laughs> we'll go like in the coloring drawer and be like, it makes me a you know, like, 
someone that walks into my house then has is a neat freak and like maybe a germaphobe or something like that. And they just come in and they see this clutter. They They're, might walk out. <laughs> they might just walk right out, right? And that's going to change the story, right? If we're supposed to sit and have come up with some coffee or they're supposed to come in and babysit and they just can't even tell being in my house, that's going to change the story. Right. 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 Um, where, whereas like me, like I walk in and, and I, and I, and there's like a lot that I'm just going to kind of like gloss over, like, you know, like I'm not even going to bother putting that away because they're going to take it out 12 more times today. Um, like, uh, and, 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 or like, if I see like the thing, dumped over and I'm supposed to be like rushing upstairs, like, okay, am I going to stop and clean this up or am I going to rush over to my meeting? And like, that changes the meaning of the setting, yeah. right? It changes uh, the, the, the carpeted floor versus a, a, like a tile floor means something different for me walking in versus my child with the snowy boots walking in. That's right. going to like run in, Right. So it's, it's th- those settings are, make a difference to the character. Mm-hmm. So when you're choosing your settings, you're also really choosing your character and you're, and you're going to look and see like what these settings mean to the character, which is why like in a, a lot of craft books that you're going to read and a lot of things you talk about entering, I think that's like a big one in um, save the cat, mm. like entering the new world, right? right? The, um, there's so many craft books. Here. I know they're really <laughs> so I have to like stop and think about it for a minute. Um, I, I, I and, use... they, and they all have names for the same thing, quite honestly. But you know, yeah, yeah, different names for the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> like they're all saying very similar things, more or less. But when you're entering the new world, like you have what they're used to and what they're comfortable with. Um, so when you're talking about your character and you're 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 also talking about the setting what are they used to? Like, are they a homebody? Like, do they stay here? Are they like a germaphobe? Everything is super, super neat and clean. What is going to happen when their house explodes and they get thrown into a homeless shelter? All of a sudden you're putting them in a new setting. They're entering their new world and they're not going to respond the same way. They're not going to be as comfortable. So you want to think like, how can my setting make my character uncomfortable? How Mm. can my setting push my character growth? Um, And and if you're usually, if you're going like three paragraphs or or too much without hitting your setting, that means that your setting is just kind of like fading into the backdrop and it doesn't mean anything to the character anymore. Um, it has to mean something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, it, but then with, um, with book club fiction or up, I don't even know what we, have. <laughs> we have so many names <laughs> for the same things. I guess we would have called it literary fiction, but I think now they're trying to like, branch it out. So book club fiction or women's fiction, where it really has to do, or at least us writers claim, it has to do with the character. It's just about the character. And a lot of times the plot's a little slower. Um, But I would say like, and I, I think you would agree with me, like the setting then is so much more important. Like, okay, they're at the seaside and yeah, I can envision a beautiful seaside, but what is this, that doing to this character and why does it matter? Because otherwise, if you could put her on the side of a mountain or in a city and it's the same thing, then why am I reading the book? Like, it's almost more important or maybe just as important. Yeah, like, um, I would say the setting is important in in all genres, um, um, fiction genres. Yeah, it's almost I- like the writer's like thriller writers understand it horror writers definitely understand it you know you still have to hone that craft 
yeah. I get the women's fiction or like the slower books. And sometimes it's the sensory details just to show the beautiful prose. Yes. Um, it's not pushing and, the character. And I would say that this is really the difference between the, those books that stick with you and Ooh. they, and, and that you're living them versus yeah. the books that you just read. Right. Yeah. And when I'm, when I'm working with my clients, um, like I say, like, I, I will help you write the book that you can feel. You don't just read it. You, you feel yeah. it. Um, and that, that comes with the setting. Like, um, okay. I, so I was trying to think of what like women's fiction I would have, uh, kind of recently read and, um, it's hard because I don't Adams. know what it is. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, it usually always has like more than one, but like spells for for forgetting. Um, Adrian Young. I don't know if I you've read, read that it. one. Mm-mm. So technically, it is in like the women's fiction um, sort of um, thing, and you know there are different things about it that um, are are good or or like less intriguing and stuff like that. Um, but if you're thinking about that, like it's it has a lot to do with the romance, but it is like the setting if that setting wasn't there, like it would, it, it would not be the same book mm. because they, they like live on an Island and the Island's kind of like magical and kind of helps things along. Um, but that, but the whole world doesn't have magic. It is the Island that oh. has the magic and the Island calls them back. So when they're out in the city and stuff like that, they're constantly feeling the pull and, and, um, and, and the big thing too, when we're thinking about setting is that it's not, it's not just, it's not just like the room you're in, right? Yeah. The setting is also, the setting is also like the social, um, the uh, social, cultural and social aspects. Right, Sorry. right, right. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like the cultural and social aspects is also part of it. So like when you're like walking down a cobblestone street, it's not just a cobblestone street because that could be like beauty and the beast, like all happy, bonjour, and, yeah. you know, all of that. Or um, you could be walking down like the cobblestone streets without plumbing and there's like literal like feces on the side. <laughs> Yeah, you could go like les miserables. <laughs> so and, and like what does like you could be like walking down the street and nobody is supposed to be out it's locked down why are you out in the street right um walking down the street that could that could that get you beaten like that this that cultural and social aspects is is also going to change how how that setting is perceived and what that moment means and what the plot is because you're not you're not going to um you're not going to feel like confident and cool walking down a street when everybody's supposed to be in lockdown or there's a werewolf running the street or, you know, like that right. same street, doesn't matter how many details you give about it. It once again, it comes back. What does it mean yeah. to that yeah. person? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I really like the, the example that you gave, because I think sometimes we can have our story. It's pretty much done, but you feel like maybe something's lacking and, you know, it, it's good to think of all these things, but you gave an example of like, I, w- I want to call it a breakup, but like a, a really significant point in, in a book where you had it, you had it written like as a coffee shop and then on the farm. And these are things that you can think of as a writer. Like maybe you first draft, second draft, whatever you wrote there in the kitchen or they're having a fight, you know? Um, and then 
you can go back and think, okay, but how would this, like, what, what are they actually fighting about? Like, is, is he working too much? Like, what if she goes and meets him at the office and he's, you know, like, what would that change about it? Um, or what if he walks in late to a dinner party that she's, you know, started like whatever that, that dynamic that you're trying to put in the book, um, you can make it so much mean so much more if, if you change the setting. And that, that's yes. a really eye-opening thing, I think, for writers. Yeah. And I do have the example. Yeah. You want to read it? If you, if you want. Yeah. I really like <laughs> it. If you want to like suffer through my yeah. like, voices. Because <laughs> um, it might be a little more difficult for the, the like podcast <laughs> listeners to hear, like to see what I'm talking about with it <laughs> on the screen. So laugh all you want. That's okay. <laughs> so like a good, bad example. Um, And this comes to like where the setting um, and the character are really intertwined, right? Um, so in in this example that I have, um the female uh, the the female um character in here is a farmer, right. And the other one is like a businessman or whatever. This is a random example that I wrote for, but it's perfect. So. <laughs> um, so um we're gonna imagine them like sitting in a coffee shop. Okay. And this comes with like the body language and stuff that they would, they would probably have in a coffee shop. And it's a scene that like all of us have read like 8 million Mm -hmm. times. Right. Um, So in a coffee shop, it's, I love you, Jay said, staring out the window at the passersby. I don't know why that seems complicated to you. Elizabeth shrugged and blew gently on her coffee. I don't think you understand all the work that comes with that. I'm here, aren't I? Elizabeth sighs and takes a drink from her cup. So like, we don't know anything about Yeah, we're like, why? <laughs> there is there is a conver- is the conversation. Why is there work? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I could like you could be like be like, hey Elizabeth, like give them a try. Like, like, why are you being so harsh? Like, you, yeah, you know, are you like, bipolar? Like what I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean it could be anything, right? It re- literally it could be anything. Yeah, and it sounds like he's like so sweet. He, like he's saying, like, I love you. And she's just and she's kind of like shrugging him off and, and, yeah. and stuff. But, but we don't know who they are. Right. Like we, like, we don't know exactly how they're feeling. Like, like, how does, how does he actually feel? Like you can say, I love you. Like, like you can say, I love you. Like you're my sister. You can say, I love you. I, I love you as a friend, or you can be like, trying to get in someone's pants. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know we mean? don't know. Yeah. So, so we don't know anything about them from this. Right. right? Like, um, so what I did with this example is I, I switched it and I took it like outside a barn and saying it's like at a Elizabeth's farm. Right. Um, and, and I have the exact same dialogue here and, and I've like literally copied and pasted it. And all I've changed is how they are interacting with their setting and the setting that they are in. Mm. So um, I love you. Jay said, stepping gingerly over what he hoped was mud. Maybe it was dung. It was hard to tell in this God forsaken place. I don't know why that seems complicated to you. Elizabeth laid the frantic squawking chicken on the block and gestured with her chin for Jay to step back to where he'd been before. I don't think you understand all the work that comes with that. Jay holds his breath as he steps back over the questionable dark substance, careful to avoid nails as he steps back onto the wooden plank refuge. I'm here, aren't I? Elizabeth lifts her eyebrows and the axe, then swiftly puts an end to the squawking. Jay looks away, stifling his gag. So 
Now you can see she's Come a farmer. Here. She's not yes. squeamish. She's just a, she could just like catch a butcher chicken in the middle of a conversation. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, fascinated already. And yeah. he like, and then we see the work and then we see the, like, are you sure Jay? Like, are you really sure? Yeah. And we want to see what goes like, on. Yeah. It's like, like all of a sudden, like you're inside of it. Like this is like, literally, this doesn't have a story around it, like that, but it feels like it does. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is, this is the only section of that story. Like that's all that's ever been written, but it feels like there's so much more going on. And all that I've changed is the setting. Yeah. Like yeah. How they interact with it. Like if they were like outside of barn and still sipping coffee and staring. That'd be weird. <laughs> like the, the like, yeah, it would be weird. And, Smell their coffee uh, with the dung. Sometimes we get that too. Sometimes we get that too. They're like, right. okay, so I've changed the setting to a farm now. And now we're sitting at a farm table drinking coffee. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's not, it's still not quite there. Right. And so this is why I end up talking about this with my clients so much is because like, it can be like, okay, I get it. I've got it. This is good. They are now on a farm doing the exact same thing. Mm. Um, but then that's a backdrop. That is not a setting. That is the ah, backdrop, right? I like the distinction, um, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's like I, it's like what you said at the beginning. It's interconnected with the character, and trying to think of your setting as like an extension of them. How can it? How can it show the reader more without info dumping on them? Just like writing words and words. And she's actually a quite unsqueamish because she's slightly, you know, on the autistic sale. And when she was younger, she was like, okay, nobody cares. Yeah, like if we had to get all of that same information that we just kind of like felt in this last one, we would have to have like paragraphs and paragraphs of info dumps. Yeah. So right. like, if, if you like sitting and looking at an info dump, think like, okay, how can I actually show this? Like what, what would, what would be an action? Because it, it's one thing to say, I love you. And another another thing to be there, like catching the next chicken for her. I do right? want to see the end of this chapter. <laughs> you need to write the rest of this book. I do that a lot in my um in my like Instagram. I like I'll just I'll just be like half like exhausted up with the toddler all night and be like, oh, I haven't posted today. And I'll just like th- I'll just like make this like random example. And they're like, what happens next? <laughs> hey, Elle, what's what happens next? So <laughs> I'm like, you um, write the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you. This is all there is. <laughs> um, well, but, and I, speaking of Instagram, will you tell people, especially if you give examples, um, we all want to follow you on Instagram, if that's true. What is your Instagram handle? Um, it's at edit L editing. Um, I can type it here. Seriously, the alliteration. (laughs) I, you, well, you can tell that I'm usually working with the written word. I don't do a lot of uh, talking. I'm not the smoothest talker. I'm the introvert. So, (laughs) right. We are all readers here. So I'll have it. I'll have it in the show links below as well. But are you open to seeing clients? You have like, what is your what do you do? Do you do long-term coaching? Do you do classes, workshops? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I kind of do a bit of all of it for mm-hmm. fiction. Um, so I, the classes are still kind of like a work in progress. Um, I haven't, I kind of announced that I was going to do them. And then I started homeschooling my children um, the next the week. And so, <laughs> so I didn't actually, I haven't actually launched them yet, but they are kind of like, you know, 
partially there. So I, I will be doing um, Zoom classes, mm. hopefully this starting this year, or maybe in the next couple of months is my plan. Um, children like to derail plans. So but we'll follow um, you on Instagram. That. So we'll know about that. <laughs> yes, if you follow me on Instagram, you will find out when they are actually launched. Um, so uh, there'll be uh, Zoom classes where um, I'm going to leave. Uh, if you, when you sign up, you're going to, if you have a section that's difficult or you want an example from your own writing, um, you can send it to me and mm. I will use it as an example in the class. Um, yes. And we can work on it together and discuss it. Mm. Um, I I know I did like the, the webinar presentation um, for Author Accelerator, but I, I really prefer to yeah. Like talk about it and make sure that I'm not just like talking and going in one ear or the other. <laughs> yes. um, and in these classes, um, I would like to do a bit of body doubling writing, um, which is like, like we are in the call here, find a section in your manuscript or wherever you are next and write it or like your outline or wherever, yeah. where we actually just spend some time writing. And I'm there if you have questions or if you need to like bounce something off. Nice. Um, so kind of do a bit of a presentation and a bit of back and forth and um, make it so that because we will, I, I think you're probably like me, um, I will do all of the webinars. I will do, yes. I will join every master class and course and I will, I, I will show up for it. But I'm always, when I'm doing that is so that I'm a better editor, obviously, but also it's for my writing. Right. And, and it's always procrastinating my writing. Right. <laughs> yes. So, um, uh, in these classes, and they're going to be $10 Canadian, just like something easy, accessible, um, not free, but, no. but, uh, but, uh, accessible, like yeah. not, nothing, uh, ostentatious. And so, um, you come and you're going to actually write in the nice. classes. Nice. Um, and of course, like setting up and like figuring it out and trying to be. And realizing silent. that, you know, at every stage of writing a workshop or a class is nice. It, it will rejuvenate you. You'll remember all the things that we no, somewhere around here, <laughs> but it's nice to put it into practice right there with other writers. Like that's, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. And, to, um, and for it not to be just like, um, a book that's already famous, like bringing in those examples. I, I don't do a ton of that because, um, cause they're already famous. <laughs> They're already famous, like yeah, and and um and like they've already gone through they've already gone through eight million rounds of editing and they've yeah. already like really pushed through this. Like I could tell you tons of different books that and how it's how it's connected and stuff like that. But um if you haven't read it, it means nothing. Right. Um and and if you have read it, you're like, oh, I wish I wish I could write like that. And it's and it's not being like, okay, so here is your manuscript mm -hmm. right here. This is the line from your manuscript let's flesh this out right now. Right. And you're actually moving forward um, rather than procrastinating your writing is meant to like move yes, forward. Yes. I like this. Um, I like this a lot. So if we follow you on Instagram, we'll find out when the classes are starting. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, um, and I also have a website, 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 edit L at edit L.com. And you work one-on-one um, -on -one with people as well? Yeah, okay. I, I actually do mostly one on one. Okay. Um, the classes are going to be like group uh, group things, but I currently only work one on one. Um, I do I do the coaching. Mm -hmm. I do so like long term coaching or just like short term like setup coaching, uh, developmental editing, copy editing, and uh, proofreading as well. Awesome. And so I kind of do all of that, but only for fiction. Uh, and yeah, all you have to do is I am open to clients. I do tend to book a little bit out, um, 
just depending on the month. And then I usually try to kind of leave like one spot open as I'm like booking Mm -hmm. in advance, I leave one spot open for each month. And then, because there's always like that one person that's like, Oh, I wrote a novella (laughs) after class and I want it published before the other one. And I really need you. And so I kind of like leave that space so that sometimes I can like fit people in. Can't always like, I do have, I do have like bookings into November and stuff already too. But, um, so I wouldn't contact me if you're like, for sure, like last minute, I have a 120 K novel that I need edited for next week. Don't don't do that. I don't think any editor does that. I'm pretty (laughs) sure. Yeah. And just FYI to any writer out there who hasn't gone through this process, it's very rare to find an editor who like next week can take you. So (laughs) it's always good to be like looking for editors, feeling them out, you know, maybe doing if they do free chats or whatever, and just like taking classes um, because their time schedule isn't always the same as yours amazingly yeah, enough yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and and for me too like you if you if you were to email me like it might take me like two business days to even like get back to you mm-hmm. yeah um and I do work with authors all over the world um so I do kind of have weird hours and I often like I said I've got three small children that I homeschool at home so I often I'm working in the middle of the night here but then that's kind of regular hours for someone over in the UK. Yeah. So awesome. So uh even just like getting a response takes time. Sure. For I think for a lot of us too, because like I missed you, I like, missed the whole email like from two days. I was like, oh, they did write me back. <laughs> you know? So and yeah. you also get like all those spam, those oh spam like all we followed things. you on Instagram and we want you to ref our fake company. Um like you get all of those and sometimes it get bur- gets buried and stuff Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. But we'll have your links in the show notes and your Instagram and people can go over to editl.com and um I'll be following you on Instagram. I'll probably take one of your classes because you know what? We can always keep learning <laughs> about our studies because um, as writers, we see it in our heads and sometimes it doesn't get on the paper the same way. So um, <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Elle, for coming on and talking to us about settings. Um, I'm sure that I will see you soon and everyone will find your links in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Kat. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.